Dear Lord, I will go where you want me to go, be what you want me to be, and do what you want me to do, even if it means going to faraway Africa. As the editor of Out of Africa, I'm constantly involved with stories, stories of the Church of the Nazarene in Africa. I too have a story, how God called me here as a missionary and how he sustains me. This is what I want to share with you. When I was a young girl of eight, a missionary came to our church one Sunday morning and spoke of Africa. That's when I sensed God calling me to be a missionary to the people of this continent. The words of the missionary created pictures in my mind of young children, and not only kids, but people of all ages dying without ever hearing about Jesus. I will, I will go, go where you want me to go, do what you want me to do, and be who you want me to be. Even if it means going to faraway Africa. But it would be 40 years later before this calling became a reality. After college, I worked in the corporate world, enjoying travel, successes, and promotions, always seeking God's direction. But I would wonder if I'd misheard God as a child. Did he really call me to be a missionary? After 20 years in the business world, I joined an international charitable organization to work with the children victims of the Chernobyl nuclear disaster. For five years, I lived in Minsk, Belarus, visiting hospitals and orphanages and baby homes, providing food and medical supplies, and helped organize a choir of children. It was only in 1998 that I realized that God had been preparing me all these years for his work in Africa. By then, missionary roles were changing and assignments were open to people with management and administrative backgrounds and skills. I sensed God say to me, I did call you as a child of eight to be a missionary, and I called you to Africa. You did not misunderstand. I've been in Africa for 10 years now, contributing to the ministry of the church and telling the people about Jesus. I've been privileged to work with Jesus Film teams, resourcing them with discipleship materials, and with pastors throughout Africa through the Books for Pastors project. Sometimes an office-bound missionary struggles with issues of significance. Am I making an impact? Is my work getting through to anyone? It's in the local church where I worship that God has given me a very personal ministry, one that I can see and hear and feel immediate to the needs of the people around me. The Davidsonville Church is determined to reach the people of their community for Christ. This is the Princess Crossing Squatter Camp, and uh, there's a, a lot of displaced people that live here. It's a sense of really making a difference and, and changing something in someone's life.
and people are coming and people are eating and uh, our hearts are being blessed. May the Lord richly bless you. And so let's see you can say amen to them. This is a, a, a more mentorship program for them, but what we're trying to do is to instill leadership qualities within them so that it just it doesn't end with them, so that they can carry the message to, to others as well, to their peers, to their friends at school. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. The work that is accomplished on the Africa region is extensive and I am so blessed to be a part of it. Sometimes I accomplish my work from behind a computer screen, working in an office environment. At other times, I'm interacting with people of all ages and situations in life. To hold a child, give a hug, a word of praise, say a prayer, and just be a friend. I pray that God will use my attitude of love and service as a witness to the people of Africa that God wants to use all of us to bring glory to Him. If God can use me, He can use anyone. Jesus, Jesus I want, I want to, to be like you. I'll be where you want me to be. I'll go where you want me to go, and I'll do what you want me to do. Well, I greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I, I bring you greetings from, from the church in Africa where God is on the move. I have had the privilege of being your missionary to Africa for the last 14 years. And I, I currently serve in the area of education and clergy development in It was 1994, and I was, uh, I was in Belarus. We were uh, receiving a large shipment of commodities from, from USDA, which was equivalent to about uh, railroad cars 14 miles long. And we needed a place uh, to, to put those commodities and also uh, to stage the distribution. Um, and so we had found... Um, a potential location in Maladation, which was about a two-hour drive uh, out of Minsk, capital city, and we were we had hired a taxi, um, <clears throat> and um, I don't know if you the Chernobyl nuclear accident in in Ukraine, uh, seventy percent of that radiation had fell in Belarus, and so our organization was there to bring f clean food and uh, and medicines to the people. And so we were um, on the road to Maladation of that day, and I'm not sure if I've already passed the road to Maladation. Maybe not. There we go. 
So we were on a road this morning to, to Molodech <laughs> And uh, we were in a taxi with our staff. We had two medical doctors, Dr. Tamara and Dr. Tanya. Our warehouse manager, Sergey, was there. Our food uh, services coordinator, Galena. And our child sponsorship director, uh, Tamara, was all with my, my assistant, Volodia, who was also the interpreter who traveled with me, uh, was along with us. And, and I had learned early on not to sit in the front seat of the car, which was where I was supposed to because of my work uh, in the organization. But because the roads looked like this, there were no lines in the roads, and it was always like everybody drove down the middle of the road, even with a lot of traffic coming. Um, I chose to sit behind the driver, so I couldn't see. Anyway, so Valeti was sitting in the front, and we're going along, and the staff started singing their songs in Russian, and uh, I noticed that the, the taxi was swerving uh, to the side of the road, and, and I, it kept swerving, and I could hear this clicking sound. So I said to Velodia, what is that clicking noise? And he observed for a minute, and then he just started laughing. And he said, the driver is chasing the birds along the side of the road and flashing his lights at them. And I'm like, and just then, Galena says to me, Miss Broughton, why don't you sing us something you know? And I thought, what do I know? I know I'm in a taxi with a mad driver. We may not make it to Maladech. No, I am cold because it was March, and they didn't turn the fan, the heat on, because they thought it might use the petrol. And then there was something that I knew, and it was the reason that I was in that taxi that day on that road in a foreign country. And I started singing this song, and if you know it, I would welcome you to join me. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Well, Galena said, that is a beautiful song. Will you teach us? And so the rest of the way, we sang over and over and over again, yes, Jesus loves me. And I had an opportunity to see 16 members of that staff around a table accept Jesus and accept communion because they too learned that Jesus loved them. And it occurs to me, this is the message of the gospel, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God did not send Jesus to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus loves me. I was then in, uh, in 1999 was my first year, as a missionary in, at the regional office in Johannesburg, South Africa. And I was working in the communications department then, and I was asked to go with one of our staff 
to uh, Arthur C. Technical College, which is about a six-hour drive from Johannesburg, uh, to film the graduation. And so we were heading out across that beautiful countryside of South Africa, leaving Johannesburg with a population of 3.8 million, uh, Soweto, um, which is where the predominant black population is, is another 4.8 million. Uh, and we were, we were going from the metropolitan area out through the beautiful countryside. It's a beautiful, beautiful country of, of rolling hills. And, and as we traveled, I, I noticed different places where there were, were all kinds of informal settlements that are, are spread out all over South Africa. In, uh, you may be familiar with the apartheid government and the apartheid rule in South Africa, which was from, a, from 1948 to 1994. And during apartheid, all the borders were closed. But when Nelson Mandela was elected president in 1994 as the first democratic president, he opened the borders. And there are refugees from countries all over Africa that have come to South Africa, the most affluent country, hoping to find a better life, hoping to make some money, to send it back to their family, for their children to have education. And so we have informal settlements all over the place. Uh, the living conditions are, are really deplorable. There's, there's no electricity. There's no running water or proper sanitation. A lot of times gangs will form uh, as one tribe seeks to establish a territory. There's disease. There's HIV and AIDS is prevalent along with poverty. And there's increased unemployment throughout South Africa because of these informal settlements. Unemployment is 35 to 50 percent, depending on what measure, what gauge you're using to measure it. And I also noticed the smoke that was coming up. Uh, this was in May, but it was still, uh, it's getting cool in May as we go into autumn. We're in autumn. And I, I noticed the smoke from the fires that were set in the villages, as well as those informal settlements. And I was reminding <clears throat> I was reminded of David Livingston, uh, who was a young missionary doctor, and he heard a pioneer missionary, Robert Moffat, who was in South Africa, and he, had, uh, he was on furlough in England, and when he was speaking, uh, Livingston happened to be present there. And uh, Robert Moffat talked about the dark continent of Africa, and he said these words, Many a morning have I stood on the porch of my house and looking northward have seen the smoke arise from villages that have never heard of Jesus Christ. I have seen at different times the smoke of a thousand villages, villages whose people are without Christ, without God, without hope in the world. The smoke of a thousand villages, the smoke of a thousand villages, and Livingston could not forget those words, and he went to Moffat afterwards, and he said, what I do for Africa, and he gave the rest of his life to open first the center of Africa, and then from Egypt, uh, from, from Cairo to Cape Town, and, and from east to west, uh, to give the message of the gospel, Jesus loves you, to the people of Africa, and he, the, the nature of the gospel, the need for the gospel, that is what won his heart 
to compel him to go. The nature of the gospel, Jesus loves me, I'm compelled to tell others. And, and as I, I looked at the smoke from those fires, I thought, this is why I'm in Africa today, because God has sent me here so that people will know that Jesus loves them. Uh, we went on then uh, to the graduation, and uh, there's, there's a bunch of young people here this morning. You know, when they have a graduation in South Africa, uh, and, and as that student's name is called, their moms come up the aisle and they ululate is what they call it, but they, it's like a high-pitched, and they do that really, really, really loud, and they just dance all and down up the aisles, but when their child, they hug and kiss their child right there in front of everybody as they're getting their certificate. Now, how would you like that? Anyway, maybe your moms will do that, or maybe they do but they are so proud of the accomplishment that, that their children have made. And um, so we witnessed this, this amazing graduation, and they sang, uh, the choir sang, Jesus is coming soon, look around. And that's always stuck with me, because it's true. Look around. Who do you want to take with you to heaven? Because this is also part of the gospel of, for us. Anyway, um, then we went on from, from, the, um, from Arthur's Seed, and we wanted to go to Kruger uh, to see the Big Five. And, uh, okay, so we wanted to see the elephants and the lions and the rhinos and all of the different animals, you know, the, the most dangerous Big Five, uh, the most violent animals. And as we're going around, the, the big problem is potholes. And so as we're driving, uh, there's a huge pothole. I swerved so I wouldn't hit it, but I hit another one. And within seconds, I knew we were in trouble. So I pulled over to the side of the road. Now, we were told, be really careful when you're driving in South Africa. Hijacking is number one, is in South Africa, of all parts of the world. And so they were always saying, be really, really careful. Unfortunately, we had just come through a village, so we were kind of going up a hill. And um, my colleague, Jessica, said, don't worry. My dad taught me how to change the tire. I'll change the tire. And I said, good. My dad taught me how to pray. I'm going to pray for the right people to come and help us if we need. And pretty soon, a car came over the hill and made a U-turn, pulled in around us. And uh, the driver pulled out a hazard sign to put in the road and started talking to us, and, and then uh, in a few more seconds, another Abaki, which is a pickup truck, came along, and uh, another driver, the two guys started to talk to each other in Afrikaans, and, we, we, uh, and so then I start talking, and I'm telling them that we're missionaries, that God has sent us there to Africa, and where we've just been, and that we're on our way to Kruger, and that I believe God has sent them to help us. Uh, to get this tire fixed and move on. Well, they said, sure, we're going to do that when they opened the boot to put the spare on. My spare was flat. So the driver of the other car, I have a Mazda. I mean, he had a Mazda. I had a Toyota. And he said, well, not a problem. I think my tire will fit your car. And they proceeded to put his spare tire on my car. He took my tire and he said, I'll take this with me to Pretoria. It's about an hour north of Johannesburg. And he found out when we're coming back, he said, I'll bring you your tire on Monday. And we drove away. 
that day, and I, I was just amazed. And I thought, here is a man that I, I don't know. He doesn't know me. I've got a tire on my car. In this country, you know, where everybody says, be so careful, be so careful. But this was what I knew. And God reminded me of the scripture that says, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And, you know, the Lord taught me that early on in Africa, not to be afraid because he was with me. He called me. He was with me. The God that goes before, the God who is with, the God who goes after. In Africa, we hear a lot about Ubuntu. Uh, Ubuntu talks about our interconnectedness. I am because we are. And Archbishop Desmond Tutu uh, was a, a real activist against apartheid. He called for freedom of his people and for the international community to impose um, economic sanctions against the South African government. Uh, he called for nonviolent change, and he won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1984. And during the recent filming of the Iconoclast, I, I watched Desmond Tutu, and he, he's just very relaxed, and he, he is so apparent and, and so open in his love for God and his love for people and his love for freedom. And he said these words, the message is, God loves you. And if you were the only person on earth, God holds you as a precious baby and says, I love you. The best thing God ever did was make you. God is welcoming and does not want anyone to fall outside of his embrace. You are connected, and what you do affects the whole, the whole of humanity. And he said, I'm learning more and more just how much I owe to other people who struggle seemingly in vain. What they do does not evaporate into the air, but impregnates, impregnates the fabric. This is Ubuntu. And as I listened to, to Desmond Tutu, I thought, this is the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus loves you. This is what we believe. That's why the Church of the Nazarene is in Africa today, because of that gospel message, that Jesus loves you, and you matter, and you make a difference, and we are all connected. And what happens in one life affects another life. And as we all move forward in love and compassion and kindness to reach the lost, that will have an incredible impact on the world and we also believe God loves you. John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son so that we would have eternal life. Uh, and we also believe that when Jesus talked to the disciples on that mountaintop in Galilee all those years ago, and he gave the great commission when he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth, on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. We believe that when Jesus spoke that to the disciples, he spoke that. He is still speaking that 
to you and I today. Um, and so we are called, wherever we are, to fulfill the Great Commission. Our mission as the Church of the Nazarene is to make Christ-like disciples in the nations. For us in Africa, it is to make Christ-like disciples in Africa and beyond. Today in Africa, we have, now I gave you a specific number, 568,491 Nazarenes in the 2012 statistics. Now, I don't know which, if you know what the numbers are for the USA-Canada, but we're inching up. We're really, really climbing. God is moving, and it's exciting, and it's awesome to be a part of that. But as, as the church grows, then we need to be available. We need to have pastors. We need to have faculty and staff to teach uh, and uh, so that, that people will be rooted, rooted and grounded. Today, we are praying for a holiness revival to sweep across the continent of Africa. There are, a, Pastor talks about mountains. We talk about the giants that are facing the church. Um, Danny Gomez is our field strategy coordinator for West Africa. He's 33 years old. He was converted from an Islamic background. And he, he says to us, our, you know, when we look at the course of study and, and what's involved in our pastoral training track, he said, are we, are we dealing with Islam? And um, Colin Magagula, who is the dean of the, the, uh, the religion faculty at Southern African Nazarene University, which was just uh, launched in 2010, our second university, he said, well, well we really don't have a lot of, of Muslims around. And he said, well, have, do you see any, uh, any Muslim families? Are they coming into your communities? Because their strategy is to come into the communities and intermarry. I thought about this when I listened to uh, the young man that was one of, uh, in Boston. Uh, and his wife was probably a young Christian girl that's converted to Muslim. So it's not just in Africa, but this is in the United States. It's around the world. It's a giant that's facing our church today. And, and we need to know how to deal with that. We need to teach uh, our pastors how to deal with that. Um, and I've, I've just kind of, I'm going to just go over here. Uh, so how do we reach our God-given goal? And we do that through evangelism. We believe that, that uh, without Christ, everyone is hopelessly lost. We, through discipleship, we believe that when people repent of their sins, it's not the end, but it's the beginning. And that a deeper walk of faith must be the desire of each of us uh, we must work towards that deeper relationship with Christ. We must work towards it deliberately. Uh, Paul says, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Discipleship, growing deeper in our faith. Uh, and then education. We believe that God wants us to love him with our entire heart, soul, mind and strength and this means equipping pastors to preach and lead the church and to equip christ-like nazarenes to be fruitful in all areas of life and make other disciples we have over uh, 11,000 we have 11,087 
students at our, uh, we have nine institutions, two universities, and seven other theological schools. 6,800 are studying to be, uh, to be pastors and ministers in the church. And I talked to you about the importance of equipping the church. They're the giants that are, are facing Africa, there are so many. Uh, the, the traditional African beliefs are also a huge giant. And the prosperity message is huge in Africa. And, and Africa is so susceptible to that because from their traditional beliefs, uh, they, they just gravitate towards those preachers that, that preach prosperity. Uh, so we have to equip our pastors to help within their churches, help their congregations to, to live. Um, you know, I, th I think of Matthew 10, 16. Jesus says, I am sending you like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. And so you have to be, we, we must be equipped to face the giants that are, are uh, coming against our church today. Jesus has sent us the midst of wolves. Whether we like it or not, it is intentional. Uh, he sent us to live in communities that most of the time are against our values, our beliefs, and our practices. And so education is critically important. Pastoral education is critically important. Um, and the think tank, 10 young African theologians are gathering to grapple, to discuss the issues facing uh, polygamy, serial monogamy, uh, when did I get married? But the traditional beliefs, there's witchcraft and there's divination and demon possession and all kinds of, of spiritual issues that it's like, how do we address that as a church? And so this is the call for our educational providers to provide the education for our pastors to be strong. We are training pastors at, uh, and I've already told you, I'm going to show you a couple of pictures uh, these are our university, ANU, Southern African Nazarene University, and then the other schools that we have in Africa. A couple of pictures to show you. Um, ANU recently now, ANU now has five satellite campuses. Uh, SNU, SANU has um, three faculties, uh, but since they were, they're new, and so they, they are wanting to expand, we are looking for a lot of work and witness teams that will come and help at SANU, ANU, our other schools. It's, it's, always, it's always a plea for help. And then the question this morning is, how can you be involved? I think the most, do you know, the most, the biggest, the hugest thing that you could do is pray. When we pray, God works. And I have out on the, there's a table out front, there's, a, there's, a, there's some prayer cards for both me, but some, some prayer requests for Africa. If you could stick it in your Bible, I know. If you've got your Bible on your iPhone or your iPad, that doesn't quite work. But anyway, these, and there's a prayer card for our schools. If you can just take that this morning and come in to pray for us. Uh, I, I ask the youth, pray for the youth of Africa. Children, pray for the children. The young adults, pray for the young adults. You can pray for me, but I, I'm asking you this morning to pray for Dr. Chambo, our, our, region, our, our regional director. Dr. Chambo says, when he talks, he says, I am the product of missions. And because missionaries went, and we still go, we have incredible leaders like Dr. Philomeo Chambo, that, uh, Danny Gomes, our field strategy coordinator, 
Uh, we have a brand new field strategy coordinator starting July 1st for Middle Africa Field. And I think some of you have met him, Reverend Stefan TB. He and Sandra will be heading up the work there. Pray for them. Pray for our students uh, and for our faculty and our staff. We, we have, uh, there's always transition going on, even within the regional office, and your prayers are critically important. As you pray for missionaries, it makes a difference. The other thing is you can go. Um, I, I was just, um, I was just thinking, you know, if God is speaking to you, uh, I went as a missionary at age 50, and so you may have had a call a long time ago, and you may be like me. Did I misunderstand? Listen, God will finish what he started. So don't think that's just over there. Pay attention, because if God's called you, he will bring that about. And if you feel God's call, if you have at some other point, uh, seek me out, find me. I'd love to just sit and talk with you and, and pray with you. And there's others that, that would also like to help you along that journey. This church, I know you do a lot with work and witness, and, and you're going again. And that makes a huge difference for the church around the world. Uh, and you can give. Uh, you know, missionary salaries are paid through the World Evangelism Fund, which is the fuel for missions. Our students are subsidized by the World Evangelism Fund, and they can't afford the high tuition costs. And so when you give $1 to the World Evangelism Fund, you're making it possible to train pastors who will lead churches that preach the gospel message that Jesus loves you. Um, so this morning, I... I looked at the flags. I, I love it. You know, I, I just pray, and I, I believe your prayer is with me, that, that we will see a movement of God, not just in Africa, but around the world, and that people in all of these countries and all of the other countries that are not represented will come to faith in Jesus Christ to know that Jesus loves them, Jesus is with them, Jesus wants to, to give them strength and power for every single day of their lives. And I, I want to thank you this morning for, for this opportunity that you've given me to be here with you. And I think our time's up. God bless you guys. I, I just pray that, that you will sense the power of God every single day in your lives. And, and as you sense that power in your lives, that you will pray that that would become a reality to the lost people around the world. God bless you. Well, this is the fifth time in, in uh, 12 months that we've had a missionary here in one way or the other on a Wednesday night or a Sunday night to be able to share with you what God is doing around the world because we want to have a global vision. We don't want to be small-minded people. We don't want to think God is a God of Xenia. He's a God of, of every tongue, every tribe, and every kindred. And those of us that he's blessed uh, to be able to live here in the United States and those of us he's blessed financially, we have the opportunity to be able to support missionaries to be able to go places that we can't or go places that God has not yet called us to be able to do. You know, um, our giving to missionaries is not dependent on emotion. It's not dependent on pictures of, of kids. It's not dependent on a, a missionary speaking. Uh, it's, it's dependent 
upon our heart's cry to be able to reach lost people. And intentionally, I've, I've filled ours out uh, before we ever started today because it's not dependent on me getting goosebumps. It's not dependent on me seeing little kids. It's dependent on the desire that we have in our hearts to be able to reach people all around the world. Um, I'm looking at some people that God has blessed. God has blessed Sue and I. Uh, we've increased by $1,000 our giving this year uh, to Faith Promise. You have a little green sheet here and, and that was in your bulletin. And uh, this is a promise that you make by faith that over the next 52 weeks you will give X amount of dollars to mission work. And this money goes to support missionary endeavors all around the world by the church of the Nazarene. And as I said earlier, some places that the work is so sensitive we can't even share the name of the country that the work is in because of the danger that would bring to those missionaries. Um, you have an opportunity to participate in this, and a one-time gift, a weekly gift, a monthly gift, however you would choose to be able to do that. You also have two other ways that you can be able to to support missions, uh, at least financially, and one of those ways is uh, for a deputation offering. Probably the word deputation is foreign to most of you here, but missionaries come to the United States and they raise money for their work over there because they only go because we give. And if you would write a check and make it to Xenia Nazarene uh, today, that would go to deputation for Linda and her, the work that she is doing. If you have cash that you would like to give, that will be given directly to Linda to meet her personal needs as she has them, as we would have them if we are overseas as well. So three ways you can be able to financially give. Faith promise, a promise that you make by faith that God will provide that you can be able uh, to give this gift. A deputation offering, a check made out to Xenia Church of the Nazarene that goes to Kansas City and will support her work over there. But also cash given in a love offering that will go directly to Linda to meet the personal needs of the missionary. Now that's a lot and that's very confusing. But I hope that you will consider all of this. Our ushers are, are taking their places. And um, we're going to take our normal weekly uh, offering here as well. I think I've said this before, but I'll say it again. Thank you so much. We're headed for the largest year in giving that this church has ever had in our 94-year history. And that's we're thankful to you. And the more we have as resources, the more we can be able to minister people in Xenia and around the world. So thank you for your continued giving and your continued faithfulness and your confidence that you have in this church. May we call our ushers to the front.